Welcome to this uh, edition of the Richard Urban Show. And we're very happy to welcome Andrea Elliott. She's running for the Board of Education here in Jefferson County, West Virginia, in the May 10th election, which I'll remind everyone is the only election for the nonpartisan positions of school board. So um, that's going to be very important. So, um, Andrea, please uh, introduce yourself briefly. Well, my name is Andrea Elliott, and I am a mental health therapist. I'm a licensed clinical social worker um, in the state of Maryland currently and working to move myself to West Virginia uh, in time so I can see as many clients or children and families as possible. Um, I currently have been living here for five and a half years. I love it in West Virginia. I'm originally from Montgomery County, Maryland. And I searched high and low for my log cabin. I have it, and I'm very happy here. <laughs> so okay. next step is my community. Very active in my community, and that's the reason why I decided to run for the Board of Education. I have no children of my own, so this was um, just something that I took to very organically, and uh, it just it just grew into very very lovely relationships in my community. And that's when I decided to run okay. on your behalf. All right. Well, what do you think are the well, three most critical areas facing Jefferson County Public Schools right now? I think the most critical one would be the trust. The trust has been broken between parents, children, faculty, school system. I think that is the first issue. And there's several things that led to that issue, I think. And that was, um, you know, uh, school board meetings and parents not allowed to talk, not being heard, their issues not being brought to bear, you know, change in solutions. Um, the second thing was, um, as the, the science began to change regarding the masks, we didn't change our policies and procedures within the school system. So our children continued to be separated, masked, um, quarantined for long periods of time if they showed, you know, minimal symptoms. And that right there led to speech delays, social functioning delays, mental health issues that I saw rise 300% in the wrong direction suicidal ideation um, is very sad, very sad. So the trust would be the first issue. Policies and procedure, I don't think match the circumstance. So I think they need to be looked at, evaluated for their efficacy. And if they're not effective, they need to be scaled in the direction that they are effective which might just be tweaking a little bit or a lot in some cases. Third, I think would definitely be, um, you know, mental health is, is right up there for me because I saw it firsthand. Um, but I think it's the unity of the community. So I'd like to re reintroduce families to the community and reintroduce um, peers to the community as well, because that's really what human beings meant to do is we're meant to congregate together. The minute that we bring people together again, 
is the minute we're going to see some of the mental health piece. But we have okay. to do okay. that. So let's segue. So you're talking about uh, greater parental participation, would you say? Yeah. I wanted to ask a related question. So back, uh, I guess, yeah, last year, like in the fall, you know, the National School Board's Associ National School Board of Association, I think is the right title. Anyway, in um, Alexandria, the nationwide organization that schools belong to, they were responding to the letter, you know, from the Department of Justice where parents referred to as terrorists. But still, as the Jefferson County uh, Board of Education has not withdrawn from that organization as a lot of other states had. What's your opinion on that matter? Should the, we withdraw, we being Jefferson County Schools from that organization? You mean without a teacher's union? No, not the teacher's union, the National Association of School Boards. That was the uh, organization where that a lot of states belong to. It's not the, not the teacher's union, but that, um, yeah, they do lobbying and things like that. But they were the ones who were complicit in encouraging the letter from the attorney general saying that parents should be dialed back in meetings because they're like, quote unquote, terrorists and that, those kind of that kind of language. Yes, I would definitely think that they have no place in the school system at all, at all. The very, the very point or the premise that parents don't have a right to bring their grievances to a school board meeting is, is astounding to me. This is the problem. The longer I don't hear you, the longer I ignore you, the longer you are concerned, the louder you're going to get. And that's just a human being. These are not terrorists. These are parents who are concerned about their children and are not getting relief. So no, I would, I would not, I do not think they have a place in the school system at all. That goes against the grain of what we are trying to do, and that's link children, families, and teachers together. Okay, that, that fair enough. That's clear. Um, one issue I've noticed in my studies or reading is that. There are a lot there of administrators lot of relative to students. Like there were before, I think it's declined. Maybe you can inform me on the current enrollment. Some 9,000 students in the county. And I'm sure it's declined though because of the whole COVID thing. And then there were like 50 some administrators and there's like something like 20 some thousand in like Kanawha County and there's 70 or something administer. In other words, what I'm getting to it, those aren't the exact numbers, but about. So the administration here is very top heavy. They are really careless, in my opinion, with taxpayer funds. And also related is the issue of transparency. Like I was looking at the report they published in the Spirit of Spirit of Jefferson, like the annual report. Well, that's all nice. They published that report, but it's very vague. It's like Salaries, you know, twenty million dollars. Well, whose salary? You know, which is for teachers, which is for the administration. Yours and yours. <laughs> it's not. It's not useful. And so, so I guess there's two separate issues here: the um, 
can we trim up the budget and not waste money? Uh, you know, because it seems like there's an excessive amount of administrative expense. And um, can we get more transparency? Would you like to address those two issues? Financial transparency, especially. Right yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I would be, if elected, I would be conducting audits because it just does, there's too much going on at the administrative level. And what I'm hearing from um, teenagers, what I'm hearing from teenagers in high schools is that their teachers are running, they're leaving, and they are very short-staffed that the disciplinary uh, situations at, at school creates an unsafe environment for them. So teachers are leaving, so yes, I would be auditing the administration and then removing money from that budget and, and hiring more teachers but creating an environment to, for teachers where they're safe yeah, no, and that, where they have ahead. the support. Yeah, so that's a yeah, pretty big issue. Support. I mean, it's not a new issue, but obviously it's very concerning if teachers don't mm -hmm. feel safe. And I work with a nonprofit program that deals with sexual health education around sexual abstinence before marriage. And I've been in, in school systems, um, mostly private, previously worked in a DC metro area, like in DC. I've been out here about six years. But point being, I totally understand about, you know, teachers, you know, can feel sometimes not safe because of the, um, usually just one or two students. So do you have any ideas? What would you do about that? Well, I think cause and consequence, we need to have consequences for behavior, bullying behavior in school. And I do know that that has been um, that has been softened over the last couple of years. And the reason is, is it's it's couched as many different reasons, but I do know it's been softened. And what happens is you get this you get this kind of feeling that you can walk in and you can do whatever you want. You can punch somebody in in the hallway, and there's no repercussions. So the repercussions would need to be in place and held people held accountable for their behavior. In addition, I would not ask victims to sit with their perpetrators uh, to, to, to try and resolve a, an issue that is re-victimizing victims. And it happens all the time in schools. So okay. yes, I would, I would be, I, I have a, a very, strong plan for that and that would just be to put things back in place that were there to ensure the safety of teachers okay and and okay. other students let's segue one of my favorite topics because like i mentioned i work with and have co-founded a nonprofit. my wife the purpose of which is to help children succeed by abstaining from sex before marriage and, and from drugs and alcohol and working toward you know successful family formation all that being said um i think you should be aware but in any case are you aware of the case of willie belmont from this past year he's a, a former teacher that was arrested for having sex with one of the students um at jefferson high school yeah well, in any case, there's an interesting story. I'll give you a short backstory. So this, I was 
at the board meeting in January, more a uh, little over a year ago, January 21. And they were like reviewing sexual health curricula. And I have an interest in that. So I gave a testimony. So then I mentioned, you know, how it'd be good if there was a program that emphasized that absence from sex before marriage is the expected standard. So Mr. Belmont, who was then a teacher at the, at the uh, Jefferson, said, well, Mr. Urban, you know, actually, that's not very realistic. That's kind of old school. And those not exact words. And, you know, that's not going to happen. Then come September, we find out that Mr. Belmont, not find out, he was arrested because he was allegedly, and now he's been indicted by the grand jury. So he's, you know, not convicted yet, but he was allegedly having sex with a student at school in the closet multiple other times, had in a, exchanged inappropriate comments or images and things like that. So I find that extremely ironic, but not just ironic, very disturbing. So of course the school um, you know, said, oh, we've removed him from the school and now he can't come to school. But my question is, are we really making the right environment in school? So to shorten up the question, make it more direct, would you support at least providing if not making a primary absence-centered health education where students could understand the benefits of abstaining before marriage. Do you support that kind of making that available? I do, I do. And I think I'm, I'm gonna cross that with, so we do know that um, cognitive ability, like what I'm able to receive and understand based on my knowledge and how my brain is functioning and the age of my brain, right? If I'm five, six, seven, 10, 15, 19, I'm not going to get the full understanding of what this sexual education now is being taught. I'm not going to understand it. So what it's going to do is create confusion. So what I hear you saying is, correct me if I'm wrong, is you know teaching abstinence as as well kind of protects kids until they can make that decision cognitively make that decision and understand the full consequences of it yeah that's that true but uh, more i would put it more just succinctly as making uh, sexual abstinence before marriage or teaching that that's the expected standard for school-aged children, which by the way, under President Bill Clinton was an accepted federal standard in like mid nineties for sexual health education that was supported by federal grants. I.e. everyone agreed on it, you know, what was that two and a half decades ago? Well, what happened? That's yeah. the right thing. You know, do you agree that's the right thing? school-age children shouldn't be having sex or do you have a different opinion? I know I don't think they I don't think they should be because again they don't cognitive cognitively available to be able to understand the whole consequence of it you know so that plays into it as a mental health therapist I have to look at where that person is right now and I have to consider consider their cognitive ability as well so when we're teaching things like sexual education, I don't know about you, Richard, but I do know I received health class mm -hmm. and I received health class in seventh grade. 
but I never knew anything about my teachers and their sexual habits. That was not brought into my education. Right. And, and that, I mean, that's not necessarily what we want to know. But I mean, I think right. so. One thing I want to put out there, and maybe you'll have, or if you want to comment on it, I think we should, we being as a community, you're talking about the whole community, parents, children, concerned people like yourself, you know, who aren't parents or that kind of thing. We should be promoting like this kind of idea. And then, you know, it's a, it's a fact that, you know, children who graduate from high school, don't have kids until they're married, and get a job are like 90%, literally 90% less likely to live in poverty and all kinds of other issues will be much less. So in one generation, that could make a huge difference. Yet, I think that's not being, I, not I think, it's not being emphasized enough. Do you have any further opinions on it? It's not being emphasized at all. That's not, that's not what's being taught now. You know, it's kind of gender fluid. It's kind of bisexual. There's a lot of things being being explored now through the school system, through the curriculum. That's not that's not in the curriculum anymore. That's something that I would be looking at putting back in, and I would be looking at common sense curriculum like math, science, English, biology, health class that is limited to health class. Um, and does not go into sexual orientation and things of that nature. I agree. So that, that doesn't need to be included. And I've, you know, um, well, exactly. So I think the basics like we were talking about should be included. But when you, the way it's taught, so-called, okay, I think you're probably familiar with the term comprehensive sex education. That's not good. Comprehensive really means basically not emphasizing, you know, a standard that, that students should wait. And it's also teaching about a lot of things like you mentioned, whether it be, you know, um, basically absence-centered health education teaches everything, but it doesn't emphasize different methods of contraception. And of course it doesn't also get into all these other offshoot topics, which are inappropriate unless parents want to introduce them. If parents want to do that at home, that's their business but it's not the school's business to introduce those other topics. Yes, I, I, I agree. And what we're finding now is we're finding that there's a lot of theory and ideology being taught. Right. This is being now. And these are, we need to keep that in perspective. These are theories and ideologies. So uh, keeping that in perspective is very, very important. So I think returning back to the basic curriculum of math, science, English, biology, physical education, um, you know, home ec, things like that, that need to be the core, that needs to be the core education. And things like sexuality and religion um, need to be taught at home. Right. Although, yeah, I mean, I, ideally, you shouldn't have to teach them at all. But I say since there are pretty much every school in the country for the last 20 years been teaching some kind of sex education slash HIV AIDS prevention since probably around 1990, whatever, now what is that, three decades ago. So since that is being taught, although, you know, some parents would say that shouldn't be taught, 
then it should have a clear standards and the standards should be, you know, school-age children shouldn't be having sex. That's my opinion, you know. Yeah, you know, so a clear, a clear uh, understanding of that curriculum, I think is very, very important, but also a parent's option to opt out. I believe in parents' choices. Yes. And children's yeah. choices to, to opt out of that part of the curriculum that they'd like to. Yeah, they, they could, or they could choose the alternate one. I mean, honestly, that should be the standard curriculum. That's something, you know, that could be looked at. But in any case, in my experience, that can be uh, an optional program minimally, you know. All right, let's move to right. some other topics, I think. Um, we're talking about the um, budget and a related issue is, so my understanding is school enrollment has declined due to the COVID thing across the board, COVID uh, situation or crisis or however you want to look at it has declined probably, I understand, 10% or more everywhere. I don't know the Jefferson County statistics, perhaps you could enlighten us, but the short question is, do you think it's good for parents to homeschool? And what do you think about like the new um, just coming in law where the money will follow students and it can be used for co-ops or other types of education? Do you support other types of education than public schools? I do. I do. Again, choice. I think parents should be able to make the choice for how they want their children to be educated. Um, but I am seeing on the other side, not but, but and, I am seeing on the other side of that, the children are very afraid to go back to school. And I do believe that it is the children, like the high schoolers that can get the, the other children back in school. Because children have become so socially isolated because of the pandemic and the way we handled it, that they now have um, agoraphobia or agoraphobia where they just are afraid to leave the house. So it's gone from this to something very large and they're going to need our support to have them leave the home, if you will. So while I, I do, of course, I'm always going to support school choice always and that money following that child because that is that child's right and that parent's right as a property you know, paying proper taxes. And I was also look look at a program to try and bring more students back in to either the co-op or either the private school or either the public school. Because Do you know the enrollment statistics? Wrong. I hadn't researched or asked for them. Do you know like what the enrollment is, say this year of, you know, 22 to 23 versus say, um, the year of 19 to 20 or something like that? You know, I don't, I don't, Richard, because I, I know that school enrollment is going on right now um, for this next year. Um, but I, I, I can tell you that 60% of my students that I were working with could not go back to school. And I have 10 11 students that I work with and they're from Maryland. So this is not too far away, but it's, I see, I see students in my neighborhood, kids in my neighborhood who are not going to go back to school. 
They're is not. Is it because their pa parents are afraid, or what's the what's the, the reason? If you the children, this child, these this child especially that I'm thinking of is terrified to go back to school. Terrified. Is it because of the whole masking thing, or other reasons, or what do you think? Well, I you know something that a lot of people don't talk about is is the masking. When we mask people, we cover the very essence of communication. And you know, Richard, as you look at me, you know if I'm okay, you know if I'm not okay, and you can make the decision what to do next. But if I pull that from you, then it's just kind of this odd communication, right? Right. Same thing happened to kids right. is they're not able to communicate because they can't get a feel for what's being spoken or the mood of the person, the body language. This is this is the problem is people don't know and now don't trust what they're seeing. So they're afraid to go out. OK, so my goal was to get them out and have, you know, other children help them do that. We'll cover a lot of topics. For the few minutes we have remaining, do you want to share anything else of why people should uh, vote for you on uh, May 10th? Well, I think I, I think I bring a, a strong skill set of a problem solving. I'm a solution focused therapist and I'm very good at at reading situations and gathering information and kind of uh, you know helping people mediate the situation. This is a very volatile situation right now. Parents are very upset. They want to see change. So to be able to bring people together, I think I have a very um, strong skill set for that. And that's what's needed at this point. Plus, you know, just the uh, going through the audits, going through the administration to find out where we need to cut back, where we need to move forward, and also assessing the needs of the kids in the classroom to be able to get the teachers that will work with that situation. So I do think that I, I bring a skill set that can work through this healing process from the pandemic. And then policy and procedure to make sure that, that those things don't happen again. We just adapt yes. common sense strategies. Common sense strategies. Okay, so. well, this has been very instructive. I wanna thank you for your time. <laughs> this afternoon. We'll get this up on uh, visionroot.org and, you know, make it available for everybody to see. And um, we'll be interviewing other candidates. So I do urge everybody to get out and vote on May 10th. It's very, very important, as you can see. And, you know, so do get out and vote. Yeah, and, and thank you again for coming on the uh, show today. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Richard, for the invite, the invitation. I so appreciate it, and I look forward to. We are having an event on the twenty third of April, okay. um, at top of our community, and it's on the twenty third from eight to eleven. Where coffee. is it again? And it's going to be at the Orchard House at Blue Ridge Acres, and it's not a fundraiser; it's a roundtable discussion. Okay, who will be there? Just you or other candidates? Um, myself and I've invited all the other candidates, um, and it goes from eight to eleven. Where can we find out? Is there any website or place to find the details? Well, I do have my Facebook account. It's Andrea Elliott for JC mm -hmm. um, Board of Education. All right. Well, thank yes. you again. Maybe see and, you there, uh, Richard. I'll go. I'll send. I'll. Uh,
I'm Richard Urban. Thank you for joining us today. And we appreciate it. We'll see you next next time.